It's not a, a job of just the worship leader to be the singer and the, you know, the cheerleader, pretty much. I'm not there to entertain you, but we are all here together to, it's like getting on a plane. We, we all are going to the same place, so we all have to participate in this. I, uh, I, I would consider myself like a preacher, but on like a, you know, one-on-one -on -one level, you know, um, and, and I think at the end of the day, as Christians, we all should be, you know, wherever we go, we should be, you know, exuding his love and exuding his presence and ex exuding, you know, what he's um, what he's given to us and what he's been to us. Hey, friends, welcome to our special edition podcast called Faith at Work. I'm your host, Jen Kelly, joined by my fellow friend and pastor, Corey Shoemate. We get the joy of bringing you conversations that are all about integrating faith and work and why every job matters. We're interviewing Christ followers from a variety of work backgrounds to help stir our imaginations, to give us new insights and practical ways to think about how we live out our faith at work. Hello, friends. Pastor Corey here. We are joined in the studio today by a very special couple, Crystal and Kevin Beckford. Crystal is a project administrator for a local construction company. Kevin is an equipment manager for a transportation equipment leasing firm. And we're going to talk very little about those things <laughs> because they've got a really interesting uh, life outside of their day jobs, outside of their normal day jobs. They have been involved in the music world for decades. So primarily, Kevin is a drummer. Crystal is a vocalist. Vocalist, but Kevin has produced music for many artists, including his own instrumental album. Crystal has worked the last 20 years at uh, various ad agencies doing jingles and has most recently appeared in a short film called Breaking Bad. Is that right? Yes. Breaking Iron. <laughs> Breaking kidding. Iron. Just kidding. What Breaking Iron. Okay. I want to see that. You got to send it to me. Breaking Iron. In the church world, they have led uh, in the music ministry at conferences and crusades and for special events, including here at Christ Community Church. So they led with the CCC Creative Arts team for the Christmas special that aired on CBS, if you remember that, back in 2021, and also at Moody Founders Week in 2022. They are a part of our Christ Community Church family, but in the last five years alone, we asked them, they have served in over 25 different churches. Most weekends, they can be found on a stage somewhere. That's crazy. That's amazing. So I just want to know what you guys do with all your free time. What, What's that? What is that? <laughs> We've never heard of that before. Time is not free, sir. <laughs> Let's noted. Okay, oh, there, there we go. There you go. Um, all right. So we always kick off uh, the beginning with a little bit of an icebreaker, and we wanted to make this one particularly fun and light, but also hard for you guys to answer. So we're going to go around real quick, and I want everyone to share either your favorite song or artist and tell us why. Mm. Uh, I'll go. Yeah, Crystal. Um, I would say my favorite artist, because it's hard to narrow songs down. <laughs> my favorite artist would be Israel Houghton. Um, he's just amazing. He's a great worshiper. Um, and he does many styles of gospel music. Mm. I love that. Mm. Good. Nice. I thought you were going to say Kevin, but it's okay. Oh, okay. Do you sing? I, I can. <laughs> you hear me in the shower? <laughs> Okay, let's let's hear it. Uh, Corey, yeah, can what's you yours? a quick test there, Kev? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we were talking about this earlier, but one of my favorite one of my favorite music groups of all time was. So did you know that I I, I led it, my high school choir? I played piano for twelve years, no, and, I, and I led this uh, and fake. I accompanied my high school choir. Did you know this, Jen? No, you didn't. I don't believe you. That is one hundred percent true. <laughs> 
not true. It's 100% true. I played piano for 12 years. Wow. No, you are really lying to no, me. No, and I accompanied time. my high school choir. We did tours. And, uh, You've and messed I, and with I played me for so... And, and I didn't want to sing. It was my way of getting out of uh, singing. Is My middle school choir director badgered me so often. I said, I tell you, what, I won't sing, but I'll play piano. He said, sure. And I, and I played for years through high school. So your high school band is your favorite so band? High school, high school band is my favorite band. It's my wow. nearest to my heart. You believe me? <laughs> He's good. He I is. Know, I don't I know. I am convinced. You can't. No, I don't believe what? you. Poker so for our listeners is, is who are incredible. new, Jen is extremely gullible. So I'm just testing her right now. That is 100% true. I'm not no, kidding. No, it's not. No, I'm not kidding. Okay, what, what is this? What is that? Uh, that EGBDF? Yeah. Those are... The, what does this stand for in band? Those, the, that's, the, that's the clef. That's the treble clef, right? Yeah. Every good boy... Oh, my goodness. ...does, does good things he's not telling the truth are you are you really telling like 100 100 yeah okay 100 but no okay so but um, favorite art okay it was not my high school band but that is true but it is not my high school band i gotta name my favorite favorite artist so favorite artist hands down lin-manuel miranda Mm. uh he is so michelle obama so he wrote hamilton Mm -hmm. he's a you know musician and a lyricist so he wrote hamilton uh the whole play as well as the music lyrics uh which is an astounding play uh everything from raps to to ballads michelle obama called it the single greatest piece of art in any medium period hamilton i'm inclined to agree yeah hamilton and the other night we were listening, not only that, but he's done just all kinds of things. So we listen to Hamilton, we're like doing dishes and jamming out. And then we like turn on the show for the kids and it's, uh, and it's uh, uh, Moana. And then he, he wrote the whole soundtrack for Moana, yeah. music and lyrics. And then we like turn over to Encanto and he wrote the whole music and lyrics for Encanto. He's, just, he's everywhere. Wow. Everywhere. So hands down, Lynn manuel wow. for sure. Mm. All right, Kevin. That's impressive. I would have never guessed that. Hmm. Uh, for me, um, that's so tough for a musician to answer, but... Um, there's been so many great artists throughout my life, but since you're making me choose, yeah. um, I'd have to say my favorite artist is uh, the creative genius that is Ty Trebet. Um And I say that because he's not afraid to experiment and be different. Hmm. Um, he's a musician's musician. Uh, he's so versatile. Um, he can go from trap to opera in one song. Wow. So, can you explain trap? I, I've heard I've heard a little bit of trap music and I've heard mm-hmm. people reference it, but I but I don't know exactly how it's defined. How do you how, do you how describe, do you define how, it? how would you describe trap music? Oh man, it's a I don't know. It's trap trap. <laughs> it's rap with a T. I, I don't know. I, I, don't, okay. I legit can't describe. You can't, it. you can't describe. It's hard hidden beats with you know um, you know a lot of eight oh eight claps and is Cardi B considered trap ish? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, depends on the the song. Yeah, she is. Yeah. She does have quite a few different sounds. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But um, like I said, he can go from trap to opera in one song wow. and, and um, not to mention his band is always smacking and uh, his drummers, uh, this is the highest compliment that you mm. can get as a musician. They always give me the stank face. Stank. Like anytime they do something crazy, you just, ugh. Oh, so your reaction uh, to it is the stank yeah, face. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Do you do that for Crystal's cooking or any? Like, no, <laughs> no, no, just, no, not at all. Di- like mm, a different baby, context? So good. Yeah, that's not mm. okay. Yeah. Ah, no. All right. No, can't do that. Jen, how about you? <laughs> you better not. I know. Uh, mine, mine's a little different from everyone's. I just remember uh, being a teenage girl and listening to Celine Dion over and over and over again. And now recently, like when she comes out with her Christmas music to my girl's utter dismay, um, I play it all the time. So Celine Dion, mm. especially mm. with that one song with Andrew Bocelli. 
You know what? Can you, can you like sing? No, like, I'm, like two, bar, two bars. That's like for us. Duet nope. for you and Kevin. Nope, <laughs> <laughs> not gonna happen. We want to keep the listeners. She's engaged. classic though. She is. She you is know. a classy, classy woman. Mm. Yeah. Not like you, honey. <laughs> wow. Okay. So before, let's let's change change gears here, shall we? Uh, <laughs> So you guys both have uh, day jobs that are very different than the music ministry that you do outside of your jobs. Uh, briefly, before we get into the music side of things, describe what it is that you do um, during the day and like sort of how you got into that. Either okay. one can go first. I'm a administrative assistant. Um, I work in the construction industry. I got into the role because um, there was actually a job that was available um, with the O'Hare modernization program. Mm-hmm. They were... Um, widening runways and um, redoing a lot of the runways so that it would flow better. Um, I got the job Hmm. and I loved the, just seeing the, from start to finish, everything that was done in construction. I I liked the industry, so I stayed in it. So now I'm with a different company, but I'm still in the same, you know, construction role. But if we have, like, complaints about our flight being late, we still send them to you, right? (laughs) Oh, no. No, no, no. Don't call me. (laughs) No, call you. Okay, Kev, how about about you, man? Um, I am a equipment manager for a transportation leasing firm. So if you think of Enterprise, but for, like, Amazon, FedEx, Mm -hmm. you know, those uh, shipping companies, um, so, yeah, I'm in charge of basically monitoring, you know, a few thousand pieces of equipment to make sure they are where they are. Mm-hmm. Lots of spreadsheets and all of that good stuff. But I, um, you asked me how I got the job. Yeah, yeah I applied. You applied. <laughs> I Revolutionary. filled application. Wow. And I got the job. Yeah. yeah. So you were describing earlier, you, you uh, work with Amazon, UPS. So you were clutch during Christmas. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Basically oh, yeah. Santa's right-hand man. Yeah. You are you that are who me. we have to thank that mm-hmm. we got our Christmas. Yeah, I rode Santa. shotgun um, with the reindeer. That's yep. that's amazing. Okay. That so um, we, we as we're talking about music and your day jobs, you guys have both sort of said your day jobs are – they're good jobs. They're you know they're paying the bills and stuff. But mm-hmm. where your sort of passion and heart lies is a lot of what you do outside of your your what you get paid for uh, during the day. Is that right? We I mean we enjoy our jobs, but it's definitely a means to pay the bills. Yeah, yeah. So when when I heard you say that was we were talking you know before the podcast and doing the prep, I was thinking we spent a lot of this podcast uh, really doing a lot of legwork to affirm people in their their day jobs really regardless of what that is we say it every time every job mm-hmm. matters yep. uh but that doesn't mean that every job needs to be like thrilling all the time and mm-hmm. this is something i was like oh this would be a great opportunity to pause and say here's a couple who are who are doing their jobs well with excellence faithfully they're paying the bills mm-hmm. you guys are good employees uh, meaningful work that's contributing to society but you're like ah we're really getting our you know kind of creative fix that thing that enthralls us maybe outside of our working hours most of the time and so i just want to take a minute to, to speak to our listeners who feel like m- maybe you're in that position you're like my, my work is is good but it's just it's just okay um and it, it pays the bills and i'm trying to work with integrity and love jesus during during my you know my, my business hours but it's just not the most exciting thing in the world uh, that is okay too. Uh, in, in fact, uh, most of uh, most of history was people just doing good work, and most of uh, Christian history is people uh, involved in some kind of work, just doing it well with with dignity and excellence. I think it was like Dorothy Day who said, "The first job of a Christian carpenter is just to make good tables," hmm. which is you know it's just that that's it. Not to be super enthralled and be inspired by the work, but just to make good tables. You know, Paul was a tent maker in the New Testament, and we never hear Paul just go on and on about how much he just loves tents. You know, it's just something that he did to pay for 
his ministry and to get the job done. So we want to say that if you're out there and you're like, man, uh, my job just feels like a job sometimes, if you're doing it well, if it's putting food on the table, if it's contributing to society, um, and you're finding some, a lot of that fulfillment uh, and excitement outside of your job, that is actually okay. So, But you guys do a lot, and so we wanted to ask you guys from the start, how do you balance it all? How do you balance marriage, uh, kids, your day jobs, and this tremendous amount of work that you guys do in, in ministry. How do you how do you juggle all that? The grace of God, mm-hmm. honestly. Prayer. P- lots of prayer. Fasting. Yeah. And uh grandparents. And <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, we we um we have a lot on our plates, but at the end of the day, we know that, you know, number one, we're investing in our own marriage. Number two, we're enjoying what we do mm-hmm. and we get to do it together at times. Um, we, we get to watch our kids grow and develop into, you know, their own people. Mm. Um, but also, you know, we bring them along with us, mm. uh, so we can, you know, invest in them. You know, we, when we grew up, we were around music all the time, yeah. you know, every day. So that's the same kind of environment we want to raise our kids in. So yeah, that's, and serving as worship leader. I mean, it's all just, everything is, it kind is kind of intertwined. Yeah. Yeah. That's you big. guys brought, brought they brought two of their children in with them today. I got to see. Mm-hmm. That's so I mean, that's so, that's clutch. The fact that you guys are doing it together and like so there's that that family unit thing that allows yeah. you to serve together. That's so different of a lifestyle than just broken up chunks of time where you're like, see you in six hours mm-hmm. or see you tomorrow, fam. Yeah. Like that you get to do it together. What a cool thing to see if you can do it with your family. How much better of a serving yeah, opportunity? It's, right? it's important for your children to see you. Yeah. You know, in ministry. Mm. Um, a lot of us are Christians and, you know, we don't pray in front of, front of our kids or we don't, um, we just don't teach them enough about ministry. So being the example is very important. Yeah. Amen. That's good. Uh, Corey actually came across a great <laughs> quote and it says, art makes truth real to the imagination. And it strikes us, and it's a really, really good quote. Um, it correlates to what we're talking about. Why does music then play such an important role in our walk with God. What is it about song that connects with our soul in a way that mere words can't? Well, song, um, it it draws emotion from us. Um, I was reading something a while ago that said music actually releases dopamine, Hmm. Mm -hmm. which is really interesting. And, you know, just to think that it's something that was created by our God for pleasure. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. Um, like we, we were talking about that earlier and, and uh, you mentioned that, you know, God is a God of emotion. You know, um, you have highs, you have lows, um, you have intimate times mm-hmm. and things of that nature. I just thought that was so, you know, spot on. Yeah. Um, you know, changing the environment and changing the atmosphere. Um, but even to that, like I remember um, as a kid listening to a song by Doctor Walk, um, Doctor Walt Whitman in the Soul Children of Chicago, mm-hmm. and it was Great called group. the yeah, and it was called the uh, the twenty seventh Psalm, um, and I would listen to it over and over and over again, and it was literally just Psalm twenty seven one through six, uh, put to music, and that was the first scripture I ever memorized. And I memorized it through one song. Hmm. So little did I know that this was the this song was helping me hide the word in my heart. Um, and that I think that's one of uh, music's important roles is that it should teach us his word. That's hmm. true. So this begs hmm. uh, the question then: what is what is your guys' definition of a worship leader? Hmm. What makes them different 
than, say, Taylor Swift or whoever is singing a song? Well, a worship leader is, um, you know, someone who leads worship. <laughs> good, good. Um, but they are pastoring the people. They're, they're pastoring the sheep into worship. Um, the worship leader is the one that people are looking at to see what's acceptable in worship. Um, they're teaching people that it's okay to clap your hands. It's it's okay to lift your hands. It's okay to shout and say mm. thank you. Mm. Um, we are the example for the congregation. Mm. That's, That's good. good. You know, when we uh, think about spiritual gifts, you guys are both really gifted people. But when we talk about spiritual gifts in the church, we oftentimes talk about things like knowledge or prophecy or teaching, exhortation, wisdom. It's kind of like heady stuff. It's things that you can just communicate with words. Mm-hmm. And we sometimes what gets left out is the creative development. But I, I want to point out that early on in Scripture, we've got a, a passage from Exodus 31 is, is a passage I came uh, across a couple years ago. Uh, right here, in the midst of uh, building the temple, God is giving his people instructions for building the temple. And this is what we read, Exodus 31. Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom and understanding, with knowledge and all kinds of skills, to, and you're like, okay, well, what is God filling this guy with the Spirit to do? To make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and to set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of crafts. And so, you, like, here's this guy uh, who God is saying, I'm going to fill him with my spirit so he can make art, so he can do crafts. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so, that's different than we ha- talk about spiritual gifts uh, in sometimes in the church world. Uh, and so, here we don't know uh, when Bezalel was filled with the spirit. He could have been from birth, or it could have been like God is like, I need a temple. Boom, this guy is getting the spirit of God to do what I needed mm-hmm. him to do, right? We're not sure what his journey was like, um, but I would love to hear what your journey was like. What was your process of discovering this thing I have was a, as a gift? And what was your process of beginning to say, it's a gift that I want to serve God with? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, for me, it's okay. You want me to? No, okay. go ahead, baby. <laughs> um, for me, I remember being as young as two and dealing with a lot of um, just spiritual warfare hmm. at night. Um, my mom worked nights, and a lot of times she would come and peek her head in my room before she went to bed. And Sometimes I was up because of the warfare I was experiencing. Mm. And when she asked me, you know, what's going on? Why aren't you sleeping? And I would tell her, you know, I'm seeing things or I'm having bad dreams. Mm. She would just say, okay, let's let's sing to God, you know. Mm. And she would tell me that um, as long as we're singing to God, eventually fear has to leave. So I learned at a very young age to um, sing when I was afraid. I, I sang just about any time after that. Like if I'm afraid, if I'm um, going through something, if I'm sad, I'm just singing in, in the corner somewhere. Yeah. Um, but moving from that, you know, as I got older, um, by the time I was three or four, my parents were saying, you know, if you sing in church today, we'll give you a slice of cake. <laughs> so that pushed me more to go. sing in front of people and in front of the congregation. What kind of cake? Pound cake. Oh, yeah. I would sing too. <laughs> um, so moving further from three to four, and uh, I think by the time I was eight or nine, I would sing to to the uh, congregation and, and lead worship, and there was an emotion 
that came from it. Like I was singing words that I actually felt connected to and singing words about God that I was actually understanding mm-hmm. and connected to um, that brought me to tears. And looking out, I saw other people brought to tears. And once wow. I realized there's there's a power in this mm. and, you know, even this is a gift because everybody doesn't, you know, bring the the same level of anointing mm. when they sing. Mm. I'm different. So that was that was the time frame when I realized like this is something different. I think mm. this is a gift that God has given me. Yeah. And when I use it, it, it really is used for his glory. Something happens mm. when you yeah. use that gift too. Mm. Yeah. Real quick, I just want to say what a neat parenting moment that your mom uh, sort of had with you when you were young. You said two years old, mm-hmm. you're experiencing spiritual warfare. Yeah. You know? So I've got a two year old, you know, and, and I've got a five year old and a seven year old. But uh, kids sometimes come, you know, to parents in the middle of the night when they're when they're crying, and they're scared of something, bad dream, or this shadows, or whatever. And this happens has pa- happened regularly uh, in this recent season with us. And I watch, like, I would like pat Keller on the you know shoulder and be like, it's okay, but like you don't need mm-hmm. to be afraid of the shadows. It's okay, go back mm-hmm. to bed. It's gonna be. And my wife like had the wisdom to intentionally step back and be like. God is bigger than your shadows. Like, let's take a moment to recite and rehearse his goodness and his power over dark things. Wow. Yes. And she has him like hold it up his hands and count on his fingers until he, like uh, a, a scripture verse that he, he, you know, has this certain kind of cadence to it. And, that, and she has him recite that as a, like a, a pattern of development. So I, I just want to say like, kudos to your mom. That's an amazing thing to pass down and even to recognize the spiritual warfare that can happen in our kid's life yeah. and to combat it with scripture and with song. That's, yeah. that's, Agreed. that's awesome. Yeah. Kev, yeah. how about you? Uh, for me, I was uh, five years old, and I had been a professional drummer for about three years at that point. <laughs> <laughs> well, well done. <laughs> no, seriously, I was uh, I was five years old, and I remember there was this uh, big concert that um, was happening at my church uh, in New York, and my cousin was the uh, the music director, the choir director. Uh, we had maybe you know five or six different. Um, Uh, churches that were coming and bringing their choirs Mm. to the church and the concert is starting and there's no drummer so the drums are on top of the stage the choir is in front of the stage Mm. so the drums are overlooking everybody and uh my cousin starts directing the choir to singing the first song Mm. and there's no drummer so i said um I'm a drummer, so I gotta go. I have to go this play. This is my calling. This, this is, is what wow. I'm at. You know, wow, I have to feel. Time. I have to yeah. feel the gap. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I go up on stage. I go up on the drums and I start playing. Mm. And my cousin's directing the choir. He looks up and he's like, "What? What's happening?" So I just kept playing. You know. So you're playing. You're playing well with the with the choir. I'm playing. At least with good the enough choir. for them to like not stop. Like, right. Kevin, get off the stage. So exactly. You're actually doing your thing. Exactly. Yeah. So I remember uh, that choir that that concert ended. And a few days later, we had midweek service, and my cousin, he's, uh, shout out to cousin Robert, mm-hmm. um, he gets up and he's like, uh, gives a testimony. He's like, I can't tell you guys how proud I am of my my little cousin. Mm-hmm. You know, there was no drummer, and he came up and he just, he played, and I'm so proud. Yeah. And at that moment, I knew, like, that was what I was supposed to do for yeah. the rest of my life. Yeah. And it's been it's been that ever since. People, whether they're family, parents, friends. I mean, you just got a good word of encouragement as you're yeah. walking in from a church member, um, calling out our good gifts, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Our God-given gifts in each other is yeah. so vitally important. Absolutely. That's great. Yeah. We talked um, a little bit about the definition of a, a worship pastor, leader, and the difference between singing a song versus leading worship. 
So I'm curious to know, because you both lead worship from a large church, right? Stage, lights, Mm -hmm. fog machine or smog machine, machine, whatever it's called. Smog machine, yes. That's what we're we're pumping into. (laughs) Your lungs, folks. How do you respond to the criticism that worship sets with a high production value are cheapening worship or even maybe manipulating worshipers by creating an emotional experience that isn't actually worship well i guess i would ask why can't we have a fog machine and lighting Mm -hmm. i i really would like to know why people still have jesus in the manger he's Mm -hmm. he's not there anymore (laughs) he's 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 gone from the manger Mm -hmm. he's living um he meets us where we are he meets us in the local small churches. He meets us at our homes. Mm-hmm. He meets us at the bigger churches. Mm-hmm. He can he can meet us and worship. And it's it's also important to um, to look at the fruit of what's coming out of the worship. Mm-hmm. You know, there there is fruit that comes forth from mm-hmm. worshiping from your heart mm-hmm. in, and in spirit and in truth. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, if it's a show, then, you know, more than likely you probably need to find another church home, you know, mm-hmm. that'll teach you how to worship in spirit and in truth. But I, I see nothing wrong with doing it big for Jesus. Yeah. So when you say he's not the major, it's a, he's a big God. He is. So worship yeah. in big ways yes. is, yeah. is appropriate. Yeah. Magnify him. Yeah. 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 You, you're supposed to be in awe when you're in his presence. So why not, you know, have things to to help that pre- or help the, you know, that the environment, yeah, yeah. The, the atmosphere. What there, I don't think there's anything wrong with that yeah. at all. Yeah, yeah, atmosphere. You know, speaking of that we talked about Bezalel, our, our guy from Exodus 31. Like he he was commissioned by God, gifted by God to go in and make the temple beautiful mm-hmm. and grand looking. We're talking about gold tapestries wow. with, with big colors, bold yeah. colors, right? Uh, it, it's supposed to evoke the imagery from the garden, like mm-hmm. the Garden of Eden. Like you're supposed to walk in the temple and be filled with a sense of awe and wonder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I think that, like that's 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 God saying this is this is reflects my my beauty and my yes. majesty. And so to to have a worship experience where people walk away going, dang, mm-hmm. that was filled with bigness and yeah. wonder yeah. and awe. I, that there's something there's something to that, right? right? And I think that you know, when you asked about Taylor Swift, like, that, that that comes to mind too. Like, there's something about going to a concert like that where people like they start lifting their hands, and and it, lo- it looks like a church con- mm. con- you know, like why are people lifting their hands? I think there's part of us that longs for that something that's bigger than us, something yeah. to give ourselves over to, something to 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 lay down and worship. Like that's people so may not use their, that word for it, but I want to I pour myself out for something and it's yeah. big and it's all in one of all. I want to experience this. And I, so I think that that part of our heart that resonates with the Taylor Swift concert or whatever is actually the part of us that longs for the bigness of God through, yeah. through worship. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So follow-up conversation. So if I, you know, speaking in, in as worship leaders, um, I want to, want to ask how you sort of evaluate what you do. So if I were to catch you right off stage, you know, you just get done with a worship set and I walk up to you and say, how good of a d- job did you just do? And there's some false indicators, right? Cause people can clap and, and give you a pat on the back and say, mm-hmm. oh man, you're so talented, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but that's not necessarily you doing your job as a worship leader. Well, we just talked about that. So how do you evaluate whether you did a good job leading worship on any particular occasion? Um, I, I think I evaluated by asking myself, did I turn the people's attention to Jesus? Mm-hmm. Did I take the attention off of me and off of the song 
and put it onto Jesus mm. because that's that's the point of bringing people to worship. Um, the other thing I would think about is um, like, did I practice in excellence? You know, okay. as you rehearse in excellence and you want to make sure you you learn the material and you're able to actually regurgitate what you've learned. Mm-hmm. Um, there's times where your weeks are just busied up yeah. and you may not have as much time and you um, don't practice the excellence that you should. Mm. So I think that would be another thing that I would think about. Like, did I did I practice in excellence and yeah. make sure I. Yeah. Did everything right, mm-hmm. and I'd imagine that comes from a place of like wanting to be, you know, excellent for God. Like, yeah, right? like, yes. He, yes. he is excellent. I want Absolutely. to I want give yeah. him my best. But so I hear like two things that are intention. They might sound contradictory. But when I asked you earlier, what, what do you do on on stage? What is a worship leader? You're like, I want to show people. I want people to look at me, and I want to see them to see me as a model of what's appropriate, what's okay, how to how to like conduct myself, and what what they have permission to do. And then you just said, I don't want people to like. I want I want to redirect people's attention to Jesus, right. mm-hmm. which is almost like, well, why don't we just turn the lights off? Right? I don't, why do we have any lights on stage at all? But what I'm hearing you say is not that people should just ignore you, but that people should almost see you and then see through you. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Like it's that redirect. Yes. You should that see you, Christ you, through her. Yes, that you yeah. redirect people right. in, into a state of worship. But that that is a hu- there is a human element. You are a human on stage, yep. worshiping mm-hmm. God and leading people. But ultimately, it's not about you. Right. It, it's about you reflecting God. That's that's good. Yeah. Okay, so. How about um, speak to speak to a congregant, or I'll be honest. You know, me sometimes. A lot of us feel like we walk in on a Sunday, and we feel like I'm just not feeling it this morning. I'm not feeling like worship, mm. and I kind of can sit there with my hands in my pocket or arms crossed and be like, eh, "It's just, it's just okay. It's just okay." Mm-hmm. What what sort of coaching do you have for us in that moment? As uh, you know, somebody who leads on stage. Maybe you catch somebody right after service and you're like, how, how was your time this Sunday? They're like, it was just okay. Worship was just okay. Mm-hmm. Like, what kind of coaching, feedback, shepherding do you have? Because we all, at some point, are sort of in that spot. So how do you coach somebody in that spot on a Sunday? My opinion on this is very strong because um, I know that the worship leader has a very weighty responsibility, mm. but I also believe that the congregation has it extremely weighty responsibility mm-hmm. um they have a part to play in it as well preach um the congregation worships they they sing and i worship and i sing yeah. you know um so it's it's not a a job of just the worship leader to be the singer and the you know the cheerleader hmm. pretty much performer right yeah. right i'm not there to entertain you but mm. we are all here mm. together mm. to it's like getting on a plane Corporate we, we all are going yeah. to the same place mm. so we all have to participate in this yeah that's interesting so i heard a preacher say this might be overstating it, but i heard a preacher recently say somebody came up to him and said i didn't really uh, i didn't get anything out of the worship this morning and he said oh that's fine because it, it wasn't for you Mm. <laughs> so the, the yeah. worship was for God, friend. Now, which is maybe an overstatement, but but like I get, you, I love that not, not performing yeah. right. So there's almost a sense in which we we worship until we worship. Yes. Like even if we show up not feeling it, you know, as a worship leader, you you have life, mm. right? As a pastor, you have life. Life hits all of us mm. in different ways. Um, there's times where we come we come to church and we have to leave worship, and one of our children you know they have epilepsy so we've Mm -hmm. just dealt with a seizure you know and we have to take our minds off of 
what's going on in, at home mm-hmm. and step into the presence of the Lord. Man. So we we take off ourselves and we step into our spiritual selves mm-hmm. that that can worship God in spirit and in truth. And mm-hmm. you learn that despite life, God is still God. Mm-hmm. He's we can still big. Out. Worshiping does, yeah. whether you feel or not, does something to your exactly. soul over time. Yeah. So um, I want to talk a little bit. It's one thing we all know as Christians, right? When we come into church, the faith component in worship and all that kind of stuff. But let's flip the script a little bit. Um, uh, How do you integrate your faith at work in settings that are not in church environment? You know, uh, you, Kevin, run. We were just talking about your Santa Claus helper Mm -hmm. at Christmas time. Or jingles, ventures like voiceovers that might not be a gospel-centered message. Mm -hmm. How do you you bring your faith to work? Well, for me, um, I'm more of the introvert of uh, of this marriage. I, I I don't really like talking, so even you know doing something like this is is very. It's the drum set you're behind a cage. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> yeah. I don't have to say much. I beat things. How far away from the people can I get? Right. <laughs> Put me in the back. Um, but I've I've I think as of recently I've really been um, kind of stepping out of that that shell, and um, you know people tend to be drawn to me as far as you know men um, tend to be drawn to me to just kind of share you know they've been sharing a lot uh, as far as what's going on um in their lives and and i think for the most part you know um that's a opportunity for me to be able to share with them you know hey listen i went through this too you know or you know i've gone through this situation and this is how i did it and you know and and incorporating god into you know into that that message to them so i uh i, I would consider myself like a preacher but on like a you know, one-on-one level, you know, um, and and I think at the end of the day, as Christians, we all should be, you know, wherever we go, we should be, you know, exuding his love and exuding his presence and exuding, you know, what he's, um, what he's given to us and what he's been to us. Um, if we're in, we're, we're created in his image. So, um, I, you know, there may be certain projects that I, I can't take Mm. because it goes against, you know, what I believe in, in my morals and, and, um, so yeah, it 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 is in my faith is intertwined in everything I do. Yeah. You know, even at work, there may be some things that I have to um, think creatively and think outside of the box. You know, and I think that that is only because of my relationship with God that mm. you know He's able to inspire me to think this way. Yeah, you know, that's good. It reminds me, I had a mentor in seminary who was sort of like you, introvert, not flashy, just just did his job, and his buddies would go out to the strip club every uh, like every Thursday at lunch, and he he would always get invited and say, "Not no thanks, mm-hmm. you know, not no thanks." I can, I'm, I'm Christian, I'm not not doing that. Yeah, and they make fun of him, and they did this for years until one of them, his marriage was falling apart, and he ends up coming to this guy and says, yeah. "Dude." I've known nobody else to turn to, but you seem like a guy who has, has got his feet on the ground. Can I talk to you about what's going on in my marriage? He was simply a faithful, steady presence in his life, and he yeah. got to help this guy recover his marriage just because wow. of his presence in his workplace. And so yeah. I'm reminded that we talk about preaching Jesus or being Jesus in the workplace. Sometimes it's not flashy. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's just being faithful. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, That's so good. we've talked a lot about God-ordained creativity, right? Worship versus song and music and all of the good benefits that we get. Just what an awesome privilege it is to be able to come before the Lord and lay out our true emotions and remind ourselves, right, in worship who God is, that God is on the throne. But let's – I want to flip the script now and go somewhere completely different. I want to talk about occupational 
hazards. Mm-hmm. Um, we all know that our giftings, right, is a double-edged sword. All of us, mm-hmm. our greatest gift can uh, be our largest detriment. Uh, when our craft becomes beyond our character, we have a problem. Mm-hmm. So how do you both fend off ego when a large part of your life is in the spotlight? I feel like for me, um, this is something I will never have an issue with. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because I have always dealt with um, stage fright, believe it or not. Hmm. Um, generally, I... I have to tell myself, like, okay, I'm taking myself off and I'm just allowing God Mm. to have full use and capacity Mm. of my limbs, my voice, everything. Mm. So before I go on stage, every single Sunday, I'm like, okay, God, you you come through and you do what you do. Mm. (laughs) You minister to your people through me. Um, if, If it was my perfect world, I would probably be at home singing to myself and the kids or something. Mm -hmm. But, you know, this is a gift that God gave me and I've learned to be obedient despite how I feel. So your, your, your battle is stepping forward in faith and in courage, not necessarily letting your head get big. Mm -hmm. Right. It's saying, it's actually kind of hard for me to get on stage. But yes. I'm gonna do it anyway. Mm-hmm. That's your thing to overcome. Yes, that's I, interesting. Thanks I that. appreciate that you said that because I have mm. the same struggle with mm. fear. I have wow. to like talk myself into it. Like, am I really called to do this? Mm. Da 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 da. Mm. So I, I really, really appreciate that. Mm. Kevin, what about you? I uh, like we talked about before. I just hide behind the drums. <laughs> <laughs> Man in the cage. Man in the cage. You know. Um, but I think one of the biggest things that makes a difference is checking your heart before you get on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we we pray before we minister. Yeah. Um, we ask God to cleanse our hearts and cleanse our minds, um, clear our minds. And when they hear us, may they hear you, God. You know, um, any lyric, any note, any beat, anything may all be for your glory and yours alone. And I think doing that, you know, even not just before you get on stage, but, you know, throughout the whole time before you get on stage, mm-hmm. while you're at home. Preparation you know, Preparation, time, yeah. yeah. It's absolutely necessary to take that mm-hmm. if you're serious about it, you know. And um, that's that's how I've been able to make it through. Yeah. That's good. Thank you guys for sharing. Um, so also in the occupational hazard lane, you know, as a pastor who teaches, I, an occupational hazard for me is the difficulty of just sitting through a sermon without, like, um, picking it apart or just evaluating. It's like, it's hard for me to sometimes just receive a sermon. It's, it's, it's really easy for me to follow into. It's like, how, how good of a sermon is this? I'm going to grade it in my mind. And it's either turns into like critiquing the, the preacher or like, Oh, I wish oh, I, I, I'm going to remember to do that or something like that. Or uh-huh. I need to get better at that. Or mm-hmm. just like that my inferiority complex kicks in. Like yeah. he's just so much better. Who am I? And I don't just get to receive the sermon. And so I want to like from you guys as worship leaders, uh, that I imagine there's some sort of corollary with leading worship when you're not on stage, but you're just worshiping. Like, are you guys sitting, do you have the temptation of sitting there going, oh man, like, oh, did she kill that note? Or like, oh, the, the you know, they, they must be off the track or something like that. Or gosh, that drummer needs, they need to kick up the volume up a little bit. Like, or, or, like, or is it, is that a struggle for you? How do you actually engage in worship when you're in the seats? Uh, man, well, Speaking from a drummer's perspective, um, drummers are very competitive by nature. You know, who's faster, who um, who's more creative, who can do the best feels. Yeah. Um, 
and I I was I was a victim of that for a long time. Okay. Um, and even that, you know, played into my insecurities as far as myself. Like, oh man, he's so dope. Like, <laughs> I can't do that. Yeah. I wish I could do that. Um, you know, he's so dope. I wish I could do that. But um I think at the end of the day, like I've I've come to a place where I'm comfortable with myself. I'm comfortable comfortable with, you know, who God created me to be, how he created me to play. And um, I just had to get to a place where I say, God, this is my offering to you. This is my heart. Um, you gave me this ability and the gift to be the heartbeat for this worship. Um, so I'm here to worship with my hands lifted in surrender. I want your presence just like everybody else here. Mm-hmm. And I think doing that, you know, it refocuses from perfection to glorifying God. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there are times where I still kind of listen like, why well, they're off the track. <laughs> <laughs> Something you're battling. Yeah, okay. yeah, it's, it's a constant, it's constant thing. It's so fair. true. Yeah, thanks for that. All right, guys, as we are wrapping up here, uh, we're curious. Crystal, uh, as Kevin's wife, what is your favorite thing about watching him in his gifting? Um, I think my favorite thing has been watching him grow in worship in his gifting. Mm. Um, you know, seeing him really worship God through playing the drums has been amazing. Uh, he does it at home. <laughs> He's taken my entire garage. Yes. <laughs> is the drum cage. That's his his drum studio. Yeah, and, um, you know, he takes his time to worship God weekly on his own. Mm-hmm. And just to watch it, it's just, it's amazing. Thank you, honey. Yeah. All right, Kevin. As Crystal's husband, what is your favorite thing about watching her and her gifting? My favorite thing about Crystal is to see all of the preparation, the hard work, the prayer, the um, the fasting, the studying, like all of that stuff that goes on behind the scenes to see that, you know, being um, being exercised on stage to see all of that hard work and then to, for her to go on stage and, mm-hmm. and just let it all out and to pour out. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's so dope to see her just walking her calling and, and you know, walking the, the walk in who God created her to be. Mm-hmm. You know, when you see me and her on stage, like we are legit having the time of our lives. Yeah. Like it's so, it's, it looks like it. it's fun. I love this so much. You know, you guys are our first married couple that we've gotten oh, the opportunity really? and honor Pleasure. to be able to oh, interview. Wow. So. Thanks so yeah, much. Yeah, guys, guys, thank you for not only, uh, uh, you know, having the gifts that you do and deploying them, but thanks for sharing them with our church. Yeah. Um, and thanks for sitting down with us and giving us sort of a peek behind the curtain. Not a, I wonder, you know, people probably sit and wonder like, what's going through their heads? People who are on stage, you know, yeah. so thanks for letting us know, in on both the highlights and the struggles. You guys are very different people. Uh, mm-hmm. You're gifted in different ways. You complement each other so well. I love that you're using your gifts, but also faithfully following Jesus and seeing your craft as a chance to uh, exercise, you know, following Jesus well in the context of the church community. So thank you for sharing some time with thank us today. You. Thank you for having us. Yeah, it's been an Our honor pleasure. and a privilege. All right, friends. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Faith at Work. Our conversations happen every other week. So in two weeks, you can expect another interview to help you think critically about faith and work intersecting in creative and inspiring ways. Because as we say every time, every job matters. Also, you can subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening to. Email us your suggestions, questions, or ideas to workpodcast at cccleife.org. And lastly, tell your friends that their job matters too. 
and invite them to join along in the conversation. We'll talk to you soon.